Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a two times a day boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the East Kent Elliot Friedman, and a man who spies on young Arsenal players' private lives. Well, every human will hide him. <laughs> That's a fucking accusation. That is a fucking accusation. Do you know what scares me about that video? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to give any context to this video for people who... I'm assuming people listen to this, half of them will not have no idea what you're talking about. And, and the other half will know exactly what we're fucking talking about. Yeah. So it's it's about William Saliba, who is a young French footballer. He's, is he 28? He's 19 or 20. Yeah. He was a high-profile signing for Arsenal. Uh, hasn't played a game since, since he signed, partly because of going out on loan and partly because the manager doesn't rate him. Yada, yada, yada. Video has been released of him... In a room, it's such a bizarre video. He's in a room with, I think it's with the French national team, or at least he's wearing a French national team tracksuit in a room where everybody... <laughs> the 99% of the people in that room, the men in that room, are, <laughs> are fully clothed. And then there's just one geezer sitting on the sofa next to William Saliba who is fully naked performing a sexual act upon himself. And it is a bizarre video. Wait, no, Saliba wait just... you need to be specific because in today's day, William, where there's no kink shaming or anything like that, you can't just say performing a sexual act on himself. He could you be doing to... fucking anything, couldn't he? All right. Yeah, exactly. You you got three seconds to get any children out of the way or pause this if you're in a in an unfriendly uh, environment, which I feel like we should be doing on these podcasts anyway. Uh, he's having a wank. He's butt naked and having a wank on a fucking sofa. And like, fair play, fair play. I was saying to my mate, like, it's not even a gay sex tape. It's just a fucking weird video. But the thing that I've been thinking about more and more that fucks me up because apparently this video is old. This ain't like this isn't like it happened yesterday when it came out or whatever. Apparently, this is an older video. And given that William Saliba is himself only 19 or 20, if this is an older video, that could easily be like an under-18 player who would like willy-nilly sharing videos about while calling William Saliba all sorts of homophobic slurs. So like, it's a it's a bizarre video. It's, it's bringing out, unsurprisingly, the worst out of football fans around the world. And it's potentially child pornography. <laughs> like, and we thought hockey was it's, bad. It's a hell of a combination, really, <laughs> really fucking is, really fucking is. And but but the nice thing is, um, is apparently there's a lot of gay footballers in the Arsenal dressing room, which I wasn't aware of. So it's it's good to know that apparently a, a bunch of other. <laughs> a bunch of other players who, funnily enough, aren't maybe the best players or maybe aren't playing as well as they should be, are also allegedly gay, according to the fan base. So that's it's good to have that information to hand. It really is. I guess so. Yeah, it's the twenty first. It's the twenty first century, mate. You know, <laughs> anything's anything's. Uh, what's the word? Anything's fair game nowadays. And I think <laughs> you know what's weird. You know what's weird is your your first thought is, oh, maybe he's gay. Because I think, like my generation, that would still be the first thing I would think. It doesn't fucking yeah. matter if he is or isn't. Who give? I couldn't give two shits. Good for him. Like I've said before, when the whole Raheem Sterling thing happened, it was happening in the World Cup, and now everyone was going on at him and oh, maybe he's gay and blah blah. And I was like, you know what? I couldn't give a shit. I hope he scores the winning penalty in a World Cup final penalty shoot and then sucks off Harry Kane at the fucking centre spot. I couldn't give two shits what <laughs> he does. In his... I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Like so what? But like, like you say. It's actually just really weird 
because everyone else is fully clothed. Yeah, <laughs> there's one naked dude just jacking it. <laughs> You're like, how did they get to this point? How did they get to here? What was the conversation oh, oh. that led to this? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't get what it is. Pro- providing everyone's consenting in that video, and it's not like a weird Louis C.K. type thing. Fucking yeah. power to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're all, if you're all comfortable enough that someone, can... <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not even like he's having a sneaky one on the sofa or just like pulled his trousers <laughs> down a little. This That's kid I mean. is fully fucking naked, and it's, it can't even be a warm room because they're all like full, full trousers and full tracksuit jackets. So he's he's stripped off multiple layers. Fucking power to him. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what's I'm, going on in that video. Do you know what it is? You know what big up to it's, the man. It's a, real, it's a real thing of beauty because I'm not close enough to any of my friends that if I was sat on a couch with them, one of them said, Dan, I'm like, I'm busting, mate. Can I just get naked and jack one off? I'd be like, yeah, of course you can, mate. You're safe. And, yeah, you're safe here. Of course you can. That's fine. I'd be like, no, no, you're not. There's a limit on the number of penises I want to see in a day. That limit is zero. <laughs> that's like that's as many. Close, as I close your eyes when you have a way. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Even, I I just listen for the splash. I don't even look. I don't look down. I don't want to see anything. It's they're all gross. And if they're comfortable yeah. enough to do that, and he's happy enough to just jack one off in a room full of other dudes, good for that guy. Good for and, him. And the the guy is not even he's not even being quick about it. He's he's quite clearly taking his time. Yeah, he's, he's, he's having a sun. He's having a Sunday morning, isn't he? That's what he's doing. It's his Sunday he's morning. Like, oh, well, he's, he's on page twelve of his uh, of his website of choice. Uh, <laughs> so, nah, this ain't the right no, one. No, not that one. Come no, on. not that one. Come on, not yeah. that one. And, and everyone's everyone's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, Maybe a, it's... a fucking bizarre video. Bizarre video. But that's what it is to me. Yeah, I don't care. But I want to know how they got to that point. What was the conversation oh, yeah. that led to this situation? That's what I want to know. And it could be, maybe it's something along the lines of, if you fuck up again, or if you do, maybe it wasn't like, <laughs> to bring this back to hockey, maybe this is their version of Tortorella on the bench. You fuck up again, mate. You don't mark that guy at the corner. You're going to sit in a room full of us and jack out and jack one off until you finish, all right? And he misses his yeah. fucking assignment. <laughs> That's right. That's it. Get naked. Oh, come on, guys. Get naked. Oh, okay. <laughs> the the other the other thing about this video, last thing I wanna I wanna mention about it that's almost quite sinister actually, because where this is apparently an old video, it leaked after Saliba made comments about his treatment at Arsenal and saying that he didn't feel like he was given a fair shake to make the team by the manager. Whether that's true oh. or not, whether that's even reasonable to say is you know, those comments are, are, are by the by. But the fact that it was leaked after those comments were made, that's that's conspiracy to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that somebody within the club who's done that? Somebody that seems like motive to try and discredit and and damage the reputation of William Saliba after he's made not even particularly inflammatory comments. Like, if they're they're perfectly reasonable, you just said I was given two and a half games to prove my worth, and and that was that. I didn't have a didn't have a shot afterwards, which is very true. He there are arguably in theory, worst players on paper that have played games for Arsenal since then, and they have had a centre back crisis, and he hasn't he hasn't gotten a look in, and yeah, and then suddenly, like... uh... <laughs> Jesus, I like the idea. I like the the press person's gone into Arteta's office with a newspaper and said, "Have you read this? Have you seen what Sleeper's been saying about us in the fucking press?" And Arteta's just gone, "Get me that pen drive with the video on it." 
Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, let's release it. Motherfucker yeah, talking shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Chat shit get defamed. <laughs> Chat shit get jacked on, apparently. <laughs> and that's very Christ. much like our first topic. See, that's maybe what Tort should have done. He should have got Line to sit in the Columbus dressing room after the game. Should have sexually yeah. assaulted Patrick Line. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely. He should have. He should have made Line get done. naked. He should have made Line get naked in the dressing that's room. That's still sexual assault. If you're forcing somebody to get naked against their will. I know sakes. that, William. <laughs> I just, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we fucking know that. Okay, yeah, and that we, and that we think that that's a highly unacceptable behaviour. As, as yeah, completely funny an image. That is like oh, you won't you won't back check will you, Patrick? Well, how about we check out your back, you fucking <laughs> you you dirty bastard. All right, you won't back check. Let's check out your back. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not even naked. Just oh, take your shirt off. I wanna I wanna see your back oh, muscles. God. Oh yeah, all right, filthy. You've been working hard, haven't you? <laughs> So, someone made a beautiful, beautiful point. Oh, God. <laughs> ma- ma- Marvellous point that Patrick Laine has been benched by Torts for not putting enough effort in before Pierre-Luc Dubois has made a single appearance for the Winnipeg. <laughs> before he's got <laughs> that is amazing. fucking quarantine. Oh, that's so who, good. Who yeah, could have possibly so seen it coming? Who could have seen this coming? Who could have seen it coming? I'll tell you who will. Everybody. Everybody I saw can't... this coming immediately. We even got excited over it. We were just like, yes, this is brilliant. I can't wait. I'm surprised it took this long, to be honest. Let's be honest. Four games? Come on. <laughs> Maybe Torts is getting soft in his old age. Okay, clearly he is. Well, that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The perfect storm, really. Because Line has been banging in the goals for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Bang- still banging in the goals. And then it's like, oh, well, you... you you did the old Ovi thing of maybe not back-checking as much as I want you to. Unlucky. Geese has got four, three goals in four games for him. Like, <laughs> did you see his uh, his, uh, his shot from the uh, the Ovi spot the other night? And just yeah, absolutely fucking disgusting. Fucking rocket. Rocket. I couldn't even track the puck. I was like, it's like the first time I was watching hockey again. Like, where's the fucking... Where is the... Oh, it's there, it's there, right. Couldn't even track it. Like, just absolute firepower. Just ridiculous. But... Kids, kids are really good. Did you see? Did you see the goal, the the uh, the Brock McGinn goal? No, it was what, the one that he was accused of not of not backchecking on. It wasn't that. So it was a it was a face off in Columbus's zone. Hurricanes win the face off. There's a scramble kind of in the net. Puck comes out a bit, and then they score. Liney did not move from the wall. He just stood <laughs> at the blue line near the wall. He didn't even try and skate over. He just stood and watched the play like he was a fan. And I'll be honest, like I would, I would, if that would have been me, I would have been furious. And I've mentioned before, I don't get this thing about, well, you know, guys like Conor McDavid, they need a two hundred foot game. No, they don't. Line A doesn't need a two hundred foot game. Okay, he doesn't. He's paid to score goals. Give me a guy who can have a hundred foot game and can smash the puck in the back of the net fifty times a year. I'll take that every day. But you've got to fucking at least stand there and make the effort. You've at least got to put a stick in, mate. He's not. He's not even. I couldn't even... He's, what, 30 feet away from the play? Just stood there watching it happen on, in front of him. <laughs> yeah, from a face-off. Like, he never moves. I'd be fucking livid. He, he doesn't need... um, He doesn't need a 200-foot game, but he does need a 10-foot game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he needs to at least to move a little bit. <sighs> yeah, that's... Me. That's pretty rough. Especially, he's clearly not a student of history because... <laughs> 
for, for a coach that got fucking fucked over by Pierre-Luc Dubois not making any effort all of two weeks ago to come in and be like, I'm just going to stand still, whatever. That's not, uh, just, just not, not very intelligent just to me. I think we should call this as well. This is this is the bench too, the benchening. I think we should call it the benchening. I think it needs a name. The, the benchening. For the, as, as long as it's yeah. not electric boogaloo, that's that's fine. That's fine. The benchening to electric boogaloo. No, no, it can't be. It can't be electric boogaloo because that's just the most played out offensive sequel joke sequel title that's ever ever existed. Yeah, you, get off, you got a fair point. And you know the worst thing is as well. The worst thing is they bench him for the entire third period and they still win. They still won the game. And the guy who was involved in the trade with him <laughs> scores an absolute scores, scores beauty. Winner. Beauty it's gonna go, the game. It's going to go down as the uh, the Jack Roslevic trade and Patrick Lino was just a throw-in. I know. That's going to be the... Because like, when it happened, uh, people kept forgetting that Roslevic was part of the trade. So it just became the Lino Dubois trade. And, and we were like, yeah, I mean, Roslevic is like, he's going to be, he could be a good top six forward. Like, that's a good, that's a great thing to throw in. And it is going to become that. It's going to be that kind of... God, do you remember when they traded for Lining? We thought he was the star. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was Jack Roslovic, who's now like, you know, scoring 30 goals a year every year for Columbus. No, but then they're going to they're gonna trade him to New York for Tony D'Angelo in the off-season. And, uh, and he'll go on to be... <laughs> they'll have, a, they'll have a, a, left, a left-wing depth chart of Panarin, Lafreniere, Lainier and Kreider and just destroy people. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, getting getting benched for to be getting benched. Your team wins. The guy involved in the trade with you, who was seen as like the make weight, scores the winning goal, and it was a beautiful goal as well. Absolutely beautiful play. I, I, that's you can't get much worse than that. You can't get much worse than that. And then the, this is going to want to go two ways. This is either like we said. This is either going to make him or break him. This is either going to be he's just going to sulk and be annoyed and end up back in Finland or. KHL or something in three years or you're going to see him one day stood in front of the crowd getting the Hart Trophy or the Art Ross or something and saying Io John Tortorella loads of credit because he got in my ear and made me play harder and made me play better I don't know I don't know which way it's going to go I hope it's the second one because like I say I love Line A he's a, a pure sco- goal scorer but like, like we said we do well that time sometimes you need to kick up the arse don't you I, I think he's too purely talented to be allowed to leave the NHL do you know what I mean like someone's always gonna want him but yeah it could I mean Christ this this isn't even like a uh an Alex Galchenyuk kind of situation where he had one good th- one 30 goal season the, the geezer is banged in goals for his first three years like like it's, it's not even a question of like oh is, is Patrick Laine gonna live up to the to the potential of the hype like he he fucking has Patrick Laine is a great offensive player but yeah, you're right. It's it's just that a lot of it's like perception as well. I think like perce- and, and like you say about oh Conor McDavid doesn't need a 200 foot game. Yeah, like that's very true. But there is a lot more emphasis on players like Patrick Laine and like Alex Ovechkin before him to have that 200 foot game. Is it because they're they're European and they're wingers? Who's to say? But like, I think I think there are unfair expectations put on. Patrick Line that kind of disregards the contributions he's already made to the clubs he's played for. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I do want to... Now we've kind of like laughed and joked about it. There's been a few quotes coming out the past <laughs> few days, one of which has probably cleared this up. 
And again, I don't know if that's true or not, but we'll get to that in a sec. The first one was taught saying, I don't want to bench players. And I I know there was a lot of jokes about that. And I know Wyshynski tweeted it out. And then there was, I mean, reading the replies in that thread were fantastic. The hockey Twitter was really good that night. They They put forward some stellar work, but I genuinely don't think he does. And I just think that's, I mean, like we said before, that's just his way of dealing with these players. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know if it's that thing now where like, you have to handle players differently. Some players just can't, you can't do that to some players because they'll just wither away. And maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe that's the right way or the wrong way to look at it. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, like mental health's a huge thing. And is it right to shout and scream at players? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I believe him. I, I don't think he wants to bench players. I think he just wants the players to play hard. That's all I think it is. Yeah, I th- and I think that's not, again, as as much as we joke about it, that's not an unfair thing to expect of players, especially when you've already got a team that's set up like that. To have to have the new guy come in and not have those same expectations put on him, yeah, that's 100% fair. I just think it's it's about how we move forward from this. Hope, hopefully this is going to be all that it needed. And and hopefully, because I, I didn't see any clips of him like, you know, blasting Lionel's ear off on the bench and hopefully it, it didn't happen and hopefully it didn't happen behind closed doors or anything. Hopefully Torch did just use this as like, a look, this is my power. You are not doing what I as a coach am asking you to do, therefore you are not playing. And that's, I think that's a perfectly reasonable punishment within, within the scope of hockey, isn't it? I'd far rather a, a coach bench a player for not, doing performing their role as expected no matter what that expectation is whether it's you know fair or unfair you know it's still you're still being told what to do by your boss i'd rather that player be benched than play the rest of the game and then get a fucking you know hair dryer from fergie at the end of the day yeah no i, I agree i agree and the problem is as well is like torts's methods do work and that's another thing that's another layer to this is that Columbus has no business being a good team. They have no business being a good team. If I said to, if I just said to people randomly who are hockey fans, okay, name me the twenty best teams in the in the NHL, they would never. I, I mean, Columbus would they maybe could, they not even get be to the, twenty. <laughs> maybe they wouldn't even pick Columbus in the top twenty. Columbus has no business being as good as they are, but they're as good as they are because they play a good system and play to that system. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they, they've beaten two unbelievably high-profile teams the last two seasons in the playoffs. They've they had the biggest playoff upset in history. In history. And that's because that team plays that way. And then Cam Atkinson, and I see I've seen different sides of this. Cam Atkinson came out after the, which was kind of, again, maybe it's the uh, the evolving world of hockey, but he came out afterwards and had quotes and said, it's really simple. You have to play hard and do your job. You don't play hard. You don't do your job. You're going to get benched. He said, I've been that guy. He said, and that's how the coach wants you to play. And you have to, then you have to do it. You have to go out there and do it. And I, and I know some people have sort of said online, oh my God, look at him, like, you know, defending his dad and all this kind of thing, which is funny, but I'm with Cam Atkinson on that as well. I've got no issue with the player saying that to the press. Because I'm sure he said it to Line A as well. I'm sure he's told him. He's like, dude, you've got to book your ideas up here. Like, we don't play, you know, we don't play that game. Everyone has to play every night, 100%, every shift. That's just how we go. That's just what we do. And I think I don't think there's anything wrong with Kam Atkinson coming out and, and saying that either. He's not burying lying, he's just telling the truth. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, and, and I think everybody's been in their own work situation where rightly or wrongly you maybe feel like, okay, 
this person's getting preferential treatment, they're not having to work as hard as I'm having to work for the same sort of you know, praise, compensation, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, nothing wrong with Cam Atkinson coming out and saying that. And it's it's just about the stuff that's behind closed doors and hopefully all that's been said to the public is, is as far as it's gone sort of thing, like as far as tone and strength of words and like type of communications that's been that's been going on. I thought there was some interesting points being made back to the trade well, and, and trades that the Blue Jackets have made, specifically by Jay Fresh, who now works for Elite Prospects. He made a point that said, yeah, he made the point that there's potentially seems to be a bit of a disconnect between coach and GM in Columbus. Because you think about two players that that Kekalainen has brought in, let's say over the summer this year, whatever you want to call it, in Max Domi and Patrick Laine. They aren't particularly torts type players, and that's becoming quite evident. Obviously, the line A benching and, and etc. That that was writing on the on the wall as soon as the trade was made for as far as Patrick Line. But Max Domi, for a team that has such diabolical centre depth, he's moved from the centre to the wing and is now playing his least minutes per game of his entire career. So I think it's quite interesting to you know, like two quite high profile as far as um you know players brought in for Columbus this past off season and, and, and this season as well clearly aren't necessarily who Torts is looking for or at least not prototypical Torts players. Yeah that's a good that is a good point. That is a good point. If you think of it, yeah, like we just said in the way his teams are built, you wouldn't have thought Max Domi and Patrick Line would be anywhere near Columbus if No Torts had his way, but I mean, maybe, maybe it was just a case of I don't know. Maybe Kek- I mean, yeah, Kekline is probably just thinking, okay, we can get a couple of players in who can score goals, who can provide points. The kind of defensive side of things will take care of itself because that's just how we're set up. But maybe he just thought we need a couple of those players in there just to give us a bit more firepower. But yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. I think I think that's more than likely what it is. It's going to be. Yeah, because you hear it time and time again, oh, this this coach doesn't want to coach this way, but he's coaching with the players that he has. And at some point, you're going to have to bring in, if you want to change your style, you're going to have to bring in players that do not fit the current style to start making that change. Yeah, you can't just bin off all 22 guys and bring in an entire fresh roster. Yeah, especially when Domi and Line are two offensively gifted creative players. Yeah, maybe not in the upper echelons of the NHL, but that is their their player profile. And yeah, of course that's you know Columbus were lacking that. And then in you know, almost by design to get that kind of creativity, you are potentially gonna uh you're gonna have to forego I don't want to say effort, but like a certain defensive acumen, because that's just natural in, in offensive players. If you're good at the offense, you don't have to be as good at the defense sort of thing. It's not what you're being paid for, but I just thought seeing you know seeing that brought up by Jay Fresh, I thought that that is interesting, and maybe it's not something that we can draw many conclusions from today after one benching of Patrick Line and like ten games into the season. But it'd be interesting moving forward to to have a bit of an analysis about Kekalainen's moves and and yeah how it develops from here on out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does if he makes any moves at the deadline, like what he would do. And who would bring in next? That's uh, yeah, something to look out for. And then the last thing on this was that, if you will, the truth was out today. Apparently, 
the benching wasn't because what happened on the goal. It was because the after that goal, they Liney came back to the bench. One of the assistant coaches said something to him, and Liney gave the assistant coach a mouthful. So that was it. And if that's true, oh. if, if if that's true, I hope that's even then. Yeah, I'm I'm with it even more. I am with that even more. Yeah, bench him then for that. Absolutely, I, I'm fully on board with that. If that's true, you've got to go respect your coaches. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, like somebody has to. It, I know this idea of leading by committee. I'm not a believer in that at all. Like to me, leading by committee just does not work. You need to have one person at the top making those decisions. Maybe they report to the next person, and that's one person. That's I. I'm fully on board with that. And you know, like if Line A thinks he can just go and sit there and mouth off and say whatever he likes and all that kind of thing, then yeah, someone's gonna have to take him to task, and and that's what happened. So yeah, I'm all for that if that's if that's the case. Young William. Let me... Do you know what? Gather, gather round, mate. Gather round, right? <laughs> gather round the fire. Gather round the fire. Gather round, right? I'm going to tell you a story from days of yore. Again, I don't remember when you started watching hockey or not, but if you can just cast your mind back, and we'll go in the way, way back machine. February the 18th, 2013. I remember it like it was yesterday. Matt Duchesne had just scored after being roughly eight feet offside. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, maybe it was 10 feet. It's close. I mean, he's, I, I, he's, I mean, it was, it was a close call, more, let's just say that. To, yeah, at least 25 feet. Yeah. The league, in their haste to rush through a rule, because of a meaningless goal in a meaningless game, decided to wait about 18 months or so before instituting a, a coach's challenge where you could call over the official. And I, I did check the wording in the rules here. Uh, you can call over the official and say, hey, you stripey fuck. That call was bullshit, and unless you want me to come over the boards and eat your fucking lunch, you better take a look at it. I might, I might be paraphrasing that a little bit, something like that. Yeah, this maybe, leads us maybe, to today. Sorry, go on. Just maybe some more colourful language in in the rule book. I'd imagine. Good point. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, this leads us to today, or at least this week in the in hockey land, where a call is challenged, and the call stands, yet it shouldn't. And then after the fact, the league realises this and they try to do a do-over and then only half-arsed to do the do-over. And I think, I know I know, people want the game to be quicker. I think we should make it slower. I think what should happen now is, on offside calls, the ref should go over and check their D-grade iPads with, you know, with the... Uh, actually, no, not because they're super, they're super pixelated quality, aren't they? With their A-plus grade iPads... And then I think they should forward that over to a different team in another country via email so they can check it. Just to make doubly, doubly, doubly sure this doesn't happen again. But you've got to go through, you've got to send it to somebody else who then sends it to the people in another country who then send their decision back to that person who then sends it to the refs as well. Yeah, you've got to send it to the person in the country. You've got to send it to their secretary first or their receptionist and then they can forward it on. Because yeah, that was point. the thing. That was the thing that fucked it all up. It was the person who communicates with the war room <laughs> said, I think it's a good goal. And then the refs were like, all right, it's a good goal then. Yeah, and the refs heard that, didn't they? And thought it was the war room. And it wasn't. It was just fucking... some dude or some there woman. There so, so many different levels of insanity to this fucking debacle in it. Like... Like, 
why why so so why why did the person whose mic was hot think it was a good go like how how did they yeah, first off like it's, it's not as egregious at? as matt deshane was but fucking hell, no, like nothing when you get that reverse angle it's pretty fucking clear that trojet was offside he's a good like it sounds sounds ridiculous to say like, but like he's a good few inches offside, which is which you is pretty fucking He's clearly offside. Yeah, you don't need to say that. He's clearly offside. He's offside. There's no doubt about it. He's clearly offside. But the the thing that makes me absolutely loopy about, it, and I'm sure most most other people like, why disallow that? Why get rid of the remaining forty five seconds of the power play, and not get rid of the goal? I have it's no like, idea. If, if if you're not going to take the goal away, fucking just you've got just just pretend that you think it is a good goal. Don't don't admit to to the mistake. You've you've only if you admit to the mistake, you have to rectify the whole thing. You don't admit to the mistake and say like, yeah, but I'm not actually going to do anything about it. I love <laughs> that the refs go into the. Why didn't the refs go into Carolina and say I I actually. For the first, I've not listened to Thirty One Thoughts in. I'm not kidding. Probably like seven or eight months, genuinely. And I just listened oh, to it last night, just because I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a listen. I've listened to it in ages. Like they made a great point in that they check the rules, and Marek has the rule that you, by the rule book, you're not allowed. Even if there's a mistake, you're not allowed after the fact to strike a goal off. If a goal's been given and it's confirmed, it's given. You can't then erase it from the record books. Friedman had a great point. Friedman just said, why didn't they just do it and just said, because they've already taken the time off the power play. Just take the goal off, go and see Carolina and say, okay, we made a mistake. I am sorry. This is what we want to do. Are you okay with this? It's a blatant mistake on our part. (laughs) Are you okay if we scrap the power play, scrap the goal, we drop the puck, start again in 3-3? No, don't, don't. Don't even ask Carolina. Are you okay if we take the goal off the board? No, we're not. Ah, sorry, Taurus. We asked them. They said, "Now nah, we want the goal." So, how's the fucking no, time? You got a point. You got and a point. I don't give a fuck what's written in the fucking rule book. Like, is it <laughs> a goal was scored illegally? Ah, <laughs> like, oh, but it says it says in like fucking. I don't fucking know. What if what if somebody picks the puck up, stabs the fucking goalie in the neck, and then throws it in the <laughs> Throws it in the fucking goal. Like, oh, goal stand. Sorry, it says in the rule book that we can't take fucking goals away. It's fucking dumb. And I, th- I, th- I think it says that like it's unprecedented that a power play has been wiped when they decide that there shouldn't yeah, be a yeah, power play. Yeah. So like, if you're already going that, though, this is my thing. Either you leave the whole thing, and then later say, oh yeah, we fucked it all up, or you have to rectify the entire thing. What the fuck does it? How does it fucking help Columbus to say right? Yeah, you haven't got, you haven't got to kill forty five seconds of a power play, because because there, there, there is so many levels to it. Like a Carolina one by one fucking goal at the end of it. B that's a minute and fifteen of the Blue Jackets in theory playing penalised defensive hockey, which should severely limit their ability to score and tie up the game. And it's just like, and then like the knock on of it. Imagine going into that third period. If I was a player on that bench, again for the millionth time, to to fucking make the caveat of I am not a professional athlete, so have a different mindset to them. If I'm a if I'm if I'm a Blue Jackets player on that bench, 
And then it's fed back to me like, oh yeah, we fucked up. It shouldn't have been a goal, but we're not taking a goal off. I'm going to be spending like the first however many minutes of that third period just in my head going, what the fuck is going on? How can, how can you tell me that that didn't affect the mentality of the Blue Jackets players to go into the third period arguably oh, yeah, more than if they hadn't fucking said anything? My my brain is, is fucking liquid pouring out my ears at this point. It is the half measure of it that's just absolute insanity. It's ap- we Oh yeah, sorry John, we made a mistake. We're going to take off the power play. Oh yeah, great guys, no problem. How about that goal? All right, John, let's not go crazy, all right? We're doing oh, your song already. Steady, steady taking the piss. Jesus. How, taking goals off you, man. cussing out the referee. Oh, <laughs> my God. It, it is just... It's insane. It is insane. It's mad. And and, on, and Friedman was saying on 31 Thoughts, like, part of the problem was they couldn't get back in contact with the refs because of COVID. <laughs> You're telling me that there's not a single, a, a single fucking seventy-five-year-old white-haired geezer in an NHL blazer in that arena, of which there are at least fifty, who didn't have a headset on that could have been like, oh yeah, er er fucking Sandy, um, can you just let them know that that wasn't it, and and the goal don't fucking stand, for for a league that spends. I would argue 35 hours of the season every year deciding whether there's 0.2 or 0.4 seconds left on the clock at the end of a fucking period. Like, oh my God, I'm not even a Blue Jackets fan and it fucking infuriates me. It's just so... It's Farmers League shit. It's utter Farmers League shit. And the excuses being bandied about as to why they didn't rectify it is like embarrassing it's embarrassingly corrupt people out there who play beer league if that happened in your beer league you would be furious if there was a clear mistake and for some reason the two teams agreed on we'll just take off the power play but not the goal you'd be just like what am i doing i'm never playing in this ever again this is such bush league bullshit it's a beer league and i'm furious and this is the Say it again. The greatest league in the world. This is the greatest league in the world. And they and can't even... They just can't do this right. It's so fucking dumb. It's, it's in the rules that we can't take a goal off the board. So so you, as the NHL, don't have control over your own goddamn rule book when something is quite clearly egregiously wrong. <laughs> Do you know what happened? The refs at halftime, or at the end of whichever period, sorry, at the end of halftime, look and listen to me. The refs at the end of the period should have gone to the secret room with the big red phone and just dialed straight through to Gaz. His fucking bat phone goes off and he's, thinking, he's like, oh shit, this must be something serious. I'll just check it. All right, Gaz, can you just, all right, can we just do this, please? Because, okay, the rules say this, but there's clearly a problem. Yeah, all right, no worries. And that's it. <laughs> well, you can't call Bill. All right, Bill, got a bit of a problem over here. Yeah, no worries, it's fine. The, the problem is, as as a league, we we don't want to we don't want the referees to affect the outcome of games. <laughs> we don't want we don't want calls <laughs> to affect that. That's why we put the whistles away in in the playoffs because we don't want yeah the the rule book to affect the outcome of games for for for, for worse. Oh my fucking god! It's just I'm just glad. I'm just glad that after Matt Duchesne being roughly uh, three point seven metric kilometers offside, that. It didn't lead to anything that became a massive pain in the arse. I'm sure this won't lead to anything becoming a massive pain in the arse. Oh, I'm sure of it. And this is after they like 
fixed the offside like offside challenge and the offside rule yeah, over the summer well. by making a vertical plane thing. It's like, yeah, it's fine now. If you've got a foot on the on the on the blue line, <laughs> you're onside. What what about if you haven't got any feet on the blue line? Uh we'll we'll put it we yeah, we'll we'll leave it up to your own discretion. <laughs> no, yeah. we'll leave you we'll leave it up to the discretion of the telephone operator. <laughs> like the uh, like those girls during the war who used to sit in the room with the, yeah, with the like leads and plug them all into the yeah. wall. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking exactly Mary, that. Mary, Mary, are you there? Look, I'm not I taking calls goal, right Mary. now. Shit, we better leave it on. We better leave the goal. Oh like, my you know. god, Torella should be able to find whoever that was, and and should be allowed to not even not even uh, you know not even have them out. Just like geezers tied up. And smack him round the chops with a with with a big gonna, wet fish. Is he going to make the ref strip off in front of the ref and rub one out? <laughs> All right, you want You won't give us the goal back. Well, I'm going to see your back. There you go. <laughs> Tor tore out of the back pervert. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, pa Patrick Line and some unnamed NHL official. <laughs> Shirtless, facing the corner of the of the Canucks dress, and uh, not the Canucks, the uh, blue jackets dressing room. <laughs> you can, you, to be fair, though, you you can tell that Tortorella's calmed down yeah. over the years because because he's gone from trying to trying to murder Bob Hartley in the corridor for starting <laughs> yeah. his fourth line to just like <laughs> humbly accepting when a referee tells him, "Yeah, oh. it shouldn't have been a goal, but fucking do one." Yeah. It shouldn't have been a goal, John, but Sars, I'm just one man. What can I do? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm the referee. I don't make the rule. I don't decide whether ref. it's a goal. What am I supposed to do? I don't enforce rules, John. I'm just a ref. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, so fucking dumb. This is, I think we need to go back okay, to right, right. Go on, go on. I was just going to say, here's, here's one for you. As, a, right. as, as we are the preeminent... Pre Football and hockey podcast recorded on a Wednesday afternoon. <gasps> I know what you're going to say, but go on. Yeah, come on, come on. This or, or Graham Pole? Leeds Aston Villa. What? No, no. Wait. Ooh, oh, what happened with? Le oh, okay. I was thinking, right. what's worse, this or the three red, three yellow cards? Oh, this is way worse. This is way worse because it's than a goal, the three yellow it? cards. And and the three this yellow cards is, was yeah. offensive. Yeah, this is way worse than three yellow cards. What's you know, the Leeds Aston Villa thing? So when Leeds and Aston Villa were in the championship, it was Bielsa's first season at Leeds. And the thing happened where I think Aston Villa stopped playing because their player was injured and Leeds scored. They just carried on because the ref didn't yeah. blow up. And Bielsa said, no, 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 no. You don't do that. There's a guy hurt. He just let Aston Villa score. He said to his players, you're going to let them walk the ball into the net to no get their goal back. Way. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that Brindamore should have said to the Hurricanes, all right, guys, just down tools for five seconds and let uh, let Columbus get one back, because that's fair. I mean, I would, have been, say that. would have been a classy thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, the real villain in this is Rod Brindamore. He's just happily taken that free goal and not done anything about it. I thought Scum. he was a stand-up guy. Clearly not. Wor worse than my bad cock, I'd say. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think we need to go back to basics. I think we should have a sniffer dog out there to sniff out <laughs> if the goal was good or not. Like, you know... <laughs> Just have a dog. Like a, have a train. You can train dogs to do anything. Some of these dogs are amazing. Like get a get a golden Labrador out there, beautiful little doggo, and have him have him sniffing out pucks. 
Is it a good girl or not, boy? And he's like, huh? he's like, yes. The, do- the dog says yes. <laughs> need, the, need the octopus from the uh, from the fucking World yeah, Cup. Yeah, from the World Cup. Christ. Oh, I need to God. tag Alison. Fr- I need to tag Alison, friend of the show, Alison Farrell in this uh, in this fucking <laughs> in the in the show notes because this has just become a Columbus episode. Mate, I'm fucking oh. I'm fucking watching this uh, this Leeds Villa thing. Love it, absolutely love it. Leeds have just put the ball in the net. Aston Villa are trying to fucking fight the keeper who scored. <laughs> yep. It's fucking insane. This is this is gorgeous. This is incredible. As a as a big uh, Nwaku Kanu fan, I say uh, Leeds goal should have, should have stood. <laughs> give yeah. a give a fuck, mate. Mate, there's a fucking shout out. Shout out to fucking Kanu. What a fucking ledge. Big, big up Kanu and uh, get over it, Sheffield United. One of those guys, one of those guys who has no business at all being a professional athlete. No business. L- literally, the enti- his entire playing career, he looked like Bambi on ice. His entire playing career. Yet the guy was phenomenal. Mate, too, I'll never too much of a that Tom against- for his own good. Yeah, that hat-trick against Chelsea. Stuff of legends, mate. Absolute stuff of legend. Just he was mad. incredible. He was so good. And like, yeah, he was amazing. Amazing. And like a legendary African player now. Like, it's not even like yeah, he was yeah. just decent and like could play in the prem. Like, he is in in a lot of circles a legend. Anyway, and then the last thing on Columbus as a as a Blue Jacket legend retires as uh, Miko Koivu hangs up his skates after seven games in uh, in Columbus. <laughs> Maybe because he's sick of. Is he actually? He's retired. Did you not know he that he's retired? When did he when did he retire? Was it yesterday? Like yesterday? Oh yeah, I, I haven't I haven't caught up because I haven't watched the Stars game from last night. That's ah, I see. Okay, okay. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah, hey. Miko Kuvi retires. So another. So just to, as you mentioned before, just to add to their great centre depth in uh, in Columbus. <laughs> fuck, fuck this shit. I, I I love it when a when a player like especially if you know you've been at a team for a million years. Because he was, he was one-man club until he joined Columbus, wasn't he? That's right. I got, oh, wait. Uh, for ranks for the Minnesota Wild, he is first in games, assists, points, plus-minus, uh, shots on goal, uh, uh, something else. Uh, okay, so, so second in goals, um, second in shorthanded goals, second, second in game-winning goals. So, yeah, I mean, Minnesota Wild, I mean... Uh, Obviously, I was joking about being a Columbus legend. Genuine, genuine Minnesota Wild legend, and a, a, a like underrated player in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I love, I love it. You know, he comes in <laughs> seven games and then retires, <laughs> retires. <laughs> How could you? Surely, then he must have been like close enough to retiring in the fucking summer. He's like. Now I'll, I'll go to the Blue Jackets. That's exactly what I want to do. And then things are so. How could things have been that different? That after seven games, you're like, ah, fuck this. I'm, I'm fucking. I'm gonna retire. I'm never gonna play hockey again. <laughs> things, things in Columbus were so bad that the thing I've dedicated my life to now means nothing. Now forget it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's a protest for Patrick Laine. Maybe right. maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe he was on line A's side. He's not happy. Maybe that fucking assistant coach deserved a mouthful. Maybe he, maybe Kuru hates him as well. But you can't say Oh my god. Seven games. Seven games. Fuck that me. was like um was it Corey Crawford in the summer? 
went from Chicago to where did he go to? Yeah, New, he went to New Jersey, but then he, oh, he retired it. before playing, and he like was no, on. I, the I know, I know, stuff. but that was the first thing I thought of was yeah, well, yeah, too. It makes you way. think that you go to another club and you are just like, oh, I hate this new club. I'm done. Forget it. <laughs> That's it. Like, when you had you had you had Henry Henry Longfist went to went to the Caps. And then uh, they feigned a, uh, a debilitating heart condition to, <laughs> wow. uh, just so he could retire. Wow! Wow! Fucking happens all happening all the time this season. Happens all the time. Ah, oh, <laughs> dearie me! Fucking hell! I'm going to say this as I do at every point. Should we start the show? Yeah. All right then. As we mentioned every week, we are going to mention the first stars of the week. And this week it was David Pasternak, but no one cares, as the first real star of the week was respiratory therapist Amy Ginter or Ginter. I hope I'm pronoun- uh, pronouncing that name correctly. And she's worked as a respiratory therapist for 13 years at Beth Israel Leahy Health. Shout out to you, Amy. You are a ledge. Right. Absolute legend. Big up, Amy. More of a legend than uh, than Cardo. Absolutely. As always, we're brought to you and sponsored by Wave Intel. Not only do Jason and his crack team of stat badgers work tirelessly to bring you constant <laughs> updates for the season, they also produce off-the-cuff data charts. This week, Jason threw out a data sheet for NHL heart winners and their success or massive lack of in the playoffs. And, it appears, Jason also does requests. As uh, I'd mentioned about doing a chart for goalies and their performance over the last three years to see who the real stars were. And it produced an interesting fact that Tuka Rask is the elitist of elite goalies. So, plenty of interesting stuff over at Wave Intel. Head over there. Wave Intel and online uh, and on Twitter being smart so you don't have to. Check out Three Men and Their Babies podcast, hosted and produced by me. Look for the blue background or find under at men underscore babies on Twitter. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Smart Speakers, anywhere else you can listen and being played while we are queuing up for food stamps. If you could leave a nice view where you listen, that would be great. Okay, let's if, go. If I can just dive in as well and say yeah. we, we should have done this weeks ago, our new um, our new logo, which we chucked up a few oh, weeks yeah. ago. Fucking hell, yeah. Was produced by a great man, Dan Palmer. He's a, traditionally an anim, animator, a, free, a freelance motion designer, but he does do a little bit of graphic design as well. I'm sure he'll do anything for, for a wee bit of sterling. A uh, very talented young man, great friend of mine. He is at D Palmer Motion on Instagram. You can find him on YouTube for evidences evidence of his work. Uh, yeah, great guy. He's done some great work for some great companies. And if you need some some animation or anything of that ilk, give him a shout, and I'm sure he'll do it because he's a nice guy. Yeah, nice little plug there. And he's but and he's a Bolts fan, so uh, so. Maybe maybe don't hire him because he doesn't deserve any happiness at all. Yeah, he's had enough. He's had enough success as it is already. Yeah, fucking prick. <laughs> Ron Hextall is the man in Pittsburgh. Not that surprising, and not surprising to me. I I think he'll do a good job. I like the work he did with the Flyers. We'll get onto that in a minute. Maybe more surprising was that Brian Burke is going to be the president of Hockey Ops. Will your instant reaction? So the the easier reaction is is Hextall, I think, because I, I think that was surprising to an extent. 
Not in the. I think Hexel's a great hire. I think he's a fantastic GM, and I think he'll do well for the Penguins. Um, but yeah, to bridge that divide, it's not even like he's just uh, fit the ex Philly GM. Like he is fucking Mister Philadelphia, as as far as I'm concerned. Was he a one? Oh no, I'm looking at a different. <laughs> looking at a different thing there. Um, yeah, he he played a ton for for Philly. You know, traditionally. You know, best known for his work as a, as a Philadelphia goaltender. So to go from, you know, to, to hire a man who has orange and black seeping out of his veins and out of his face after he's, you know, had a fight with fucking Ron Tugnut or whatever, it's uh, interesting to see him in, in charge of the Penguins. But a great hire, I think. I think he's a great hire. I think he'll... I'd rather see him than any of the other names they were bandied about, you know, being in charge of the Penguins because I think he was the best name available out there, really. As you know, as far as we know from our position. So yeah, fucking... quickly, the only, just quickly, before you jump onto the Brian Burke thing, the only the only thing I would say about like the the Flyers Pittsburgh thing was that tweet last year that got me unnecessarily angry, which was something along the lines of one of the most fiercest rivalries in sport rekindles this weekend. It's Flyers Penguins. And I had to reply with, I was like, come on, guys. It isn't, though, is it? It isn't. It's not even the Penguins' best rival in their own division when it's normal. I mean, I, I not, just, not anymore, at least. Exactly. It's it's not. It's, if anybody's surprised about Hexlaw going to Pittsburgh because he's missed the Flyers, you're, in, you're an insane person. Those things do not translate. There's 31 GM jobs in this league. You're going to get crossover. Like, Claude Julien, like, the the oldest and biggest rivalry in hockey is Habs-Bruins. Claude Julien went from the Habs to the Bruins, back to the Habs. If he can do that, anybody can do anything. So, like... I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Sorry, go on. No, that's all right. That is all right. I will give you that. I'll concede that. Um, Brian Burke being back in an NHL front office is... More, maybe more surprising than it should be, really, given what we know about the league. And, like, it's not even like Brian Burke was, yeah, a, a one and done. Like, Burke has been involved with the AHL and teams for fucking decades, utter decades. So, yeah, as, pardon me, as much as he sort of went out on a bit of a, a note that seemed like the game had fully passed him by and he was kind of accepting that. Yeah, to have him back in in a in a team, especially in in Pittsburgh, where like Burke is known for his trading acumen, and that's what the Penguins need to do at the moment. Like they need quick fix to get to right the ship, and and extend you know the the window around Sid and Gino. You've got to bring in someone who's able to do that immediately, and I think that's an interesting combination of of Hextall and Burke. If we're looking at the idea of Burke's going to be able to try and, you know, reshuffle the deck, te- deck chairs on the Titanic to to right the ship at the moment, and then Hextall did such a good draw, such a good job drafting and developing for that Philadelphia team. Arguably, the majority of the reason Philadelphia have such a good team at the moment is because of Ron Hextall. I think, in theory, best case scenario, that's going to work out superbly for for Pittsburgh in that Burke will get him back into contention now, while if they let him, and, and he has enough pieces to do so, Hextall can continue to build for the future for after Sid and Gino, if he lasts that long. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that because that Flyers team, 
was built via the draft and took a while to put together. And yeah. it seemed as though just as they were starting to see some of those players come to fruition, he got the can. And it's going yeah. to be interesting if, like you say, I'm sure the Penguins still think they're in win mode now because they have Crosby and Malkin. And they probably should be. But as we said on the preview show a few weeks ago, at some point they're going to miss. At some point, Crosby and Malkin are not Crosby and Malkin anymore. And they're going to miss. And, the, and like we mentioned, we mentioned their D last week. And the man, Tristan Jerry, Casey the Smith have been awful this year. Awful. Their defense is terrible. I mean, like apart from Jake the Snake, I can't really think of anyone else I would think is any good in Pittsburgh. I know they've got some okay players, but nobody to me that jumps off the page. And I'm wondering what Hextall said to them in that meeting because ownership must still be thinking we can win. But that's not what he did in Philly. It was, okay, no. it's a slow process. Sorry, you're going to have to miss for a few years and then we'll get back to hopefully being somewhere where we need to be. And... I don't know. It's interesting to see what he does and if he's even contemplating maybe get to the end of this season, see what happens. And maybe he was just brutally honest. Maybe he just said, I know you guys think we're in this window, but we're just not anymore. And I'm sorry, but that's just... Maybe he was Maybe he was the only one who said that in the interview. Maybe he's the only one who was honest with them and the rest of them were just kind of fluffing it, saying, oh yeah, we'll be fine. We can do this, do that. Yeah, no worries. Don't worry, we'll be fine. Whereas he just said, yeah, sorry. Like We get to the end of this season. If we don't make it this year... Then Crosby and Malkin get and Latang get another year older, and then what do we do? You know, you don't want to get saddled in that. Like these players just retired, and we did nothing for three years. At some point, you got to try and get something for at least Malkin or Latang. Yeah, that's the thing, and I think you know, obviously, a day, two days after um, after a GM's hired, you can't exactly tell what's going to happen. So I think I'll be interesting to see, yeah, what what Hextall's allowed to do and what sort of direction he wants to take him in because the worst case scenario for this combination of Burke and Hextall Burke's allowed to trade willy-nilly to try and fix the situation now makes the wrong trades and then Hextall doesn't even have the right tools to to do what he does best which is drafting and developing I'm just going to quickly look <clears throat> shout out to Cap Friendly again I mean nobody in hockey could do their job without Cap Friendly it's so fucking amazing I can't believe it. I can't believe it's free basically Fucking absolutely. The Penguins. Piss taken, it? Do you know what they have, have you seen this year's draft? Well, for the Penguins. For the Penguins. Like what picks they have? They've got a second, a fifth, and three sevenths. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> Bloody I mean that is terrible. It's, that is terrible. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens now, especially because like part you know, word word that came out about you know, after Rutherford left was that there was a deal for Latang being bandied around the league that now that Rutherford's not there is not going ahead. Which to me says like Rutherford was trying to trade him and, and ownership or whoever else didn't want to. So is there actually going to be any scope allowed by, by management to trade those players? Or like for a team that has such little in the way of draft picks, like are you actually going to be able to to make a significant trade to improve a team, you're going to be allowed to to use valuable assets at all. That's the that's the question. Well, and it comes down again to that maybe these maybe Christ maybe Malkin or Latang don't want to move. They both have no move clauses. Yeah, which why, they'd have why to would wave, you want to move? So they don't have to if they don't want to. They've been there their entire careers. Malkin's got three cups. Why would he move? 
I don't need to go anywhere and win another cup. I'm settled. I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. I've won every. I I have literally won everything there is to win. So, no, I'm not going anywhere. Tough. To, and then that's to the point. Fair, they then have no tradable pieces after that that are going to get them anything back that's any good. To to be fair to about Latang, like they do, ha- he's only got a a modified NTC, so he has to has to list 18 teams that he would want to be traded oh, to. Oh, yes, yes, he does. You're right, you're right. Yeah. And, I, and I know that a modified no-trade can obviously be manipulated to effectively being a no-trade, full no-trade, yeah. but 18 teams, geez louise, you've got to be able to find a couple of teams out of that to to trade him to. There's only so many fucking teams in the in the league. I mean, I expect Mark and all the time will probably go to Vegas because that's what seems to happen, doesn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> a high-profile player gets linked and then they suddenly end up in Vegas somehow. It's going to be Malkin and Latang, uh, both salary retained for fucking whatever. Like Chandler Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's first it. line centre, Chandler Stevenson to you, sir. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You see, there you go. You see, there's your there's your Malkin replacement straight so, away. Sounds yeah, sounds like a good uh, good move to me. Okay, no. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it'll, it'll be, be interesting to see what they do. Very interesting. Yeah, the, the end of an era maybe is on the way, and it's going to be interesting to see how they. I just yeah, I'm just looking at this roster. Like, who would you trade to get anything of note back, even picks? I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. S- Sid for a first and a second. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and and to, the, the beautiful thing, no matter what happens that will come out of this, is that Brian Burke is going to be involved with the end of Sidney Crosby and Epic Kenny Morgan's careers. Like, what <laughs> what more could you want to see? This is going to be fucking beautiful. I'm glad, I'm glad to have Berkey back, to be honest. Like, for better or for worse, his his involvements in hockey are always interesting. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Do you know what, as well? I've mentioned this before, but purely, and I'm thinking of this from the kind of the dastardly side of things, wouldn't you, wouldn't you interview two women? Just, even just for the, even if you have, even if Hextall was always the guy you thought, and I believe this is always the. I believe this is the case most of the time that once somebody is gone as a GM, you then suddenly go, "I want this guy." Like this guy's out there, I want him. But we have to kind of go through the motions, don't we? Wouldn't you have just yeah. announced that you're gonna? Wouldn't and wouldn't you have interviewed two women as well who were in high profile positions to see what they would have said, even said if it was what? just for PR, even just for spin, just to look good? I know that sounds like a horrible thing to say, but wouldn't you even just do that? Is is there not a worry though that by announcing that you're interviewing two women, especially especially if you're if you're interviewing women who who are qualified enough to do the job, do you know what I mean? And then you just go back to the well with two old boys, specifically Brian Burke, the oldest of old boys. Um, I know he's got more progressive views around certain things than, than a lot of other people do, and I, I I do respect Brian Burke for for a lot of his views, but. Is is there not a, a a chance that you're going to be inviting more criticism than not by saying you're considering, you know, female candidates and then going for fucking Brian Burke and Ron Hextall? Like that's you. I feel like you run you run the risk of like exposing your own disingenuousness or disingenuity or whatever the word is. Maybe I do see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but I don't know. I I still think. Like I said, I'm thinking about this from a purely selfish, PR-driven point of view. That you could still say 
look, we interviewed women for the position. We just thought Hextall was the better guy. And maybe then people are going to say, oh, yeah, of course you did. But they can't prove that. <laughs> you can't prove you can't prove that the idea was always to get Ron Hextall and Brian Burke in there. You can't prove that. We didn't even no, process. You can't. you can't prove nothing. So and, Unless you come out and then say, oh, yeah, we, we interviewed Alex Mandricky, but we thought uh, Ron Hextall was always the right man for the job. It's like, uh, what's, what's that word in there, Mario? Oh, I mean, uh, right, uh, person... Person for the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Person for the job. A quick question, Will, with what I'm sure will be quite a longish answer. Why are <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks so bad? You want you want me to say Jim Benning? <laughs> let's let's be honest. You want me, you want me to say Jim Benning? Uh, free agency, yes, I do. Dan, is why the Vancouver Canucks are, are so bad. Because I I don't understand why. This like Benning's funeral has been going on for a fucking month now, and I, I just kind of don't. I know there's no smoke without fire, and I think we probably are le- leading to Jim Benning being fired potentially within the week, definitely before the season's out. But I can't, I can't recall a time where like there has been like you know calls for the for the head of a general manager. From all corners of the media and fan bases, you know, hockey or Vancouver specific, and then it hasn't happened immediately. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is so drawn out, and every day there's new, like, oh, this is it for Jim Benning in Vancouver, and it just the the fucking train keeps going on, the wheel keeps turning. Fr- frankly, has it as it has been for years, people have been calling for as far as 2016, and and yet Mr. Benning's going on. I think he's gonna he's gonna retire. At age eighty, having been you know twenty nine years the Canucks general manager, I'm just like right, see you later, <laughs> guys. I just yeah, I I, th- I think the reason they're a bad team is because of his diabolical signings in free agency, specifically down the lineup, which have been which have been highly documented. But to be fair, the reason they're also kind of good is also it, you've you've got to give them the credit where that's due. You know, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. Besser, fucking who's new kid? Nils Hoglander. He was a fortieth overall pick a year ago. Like Sasha Demko, fucking he's done. He's done pretty. Adam Gaudet, like he's yeah, yeah. It's not like he's just been a bad GM. You're right. It's the, yeah, he's been a very bad GM on a particular side of of the GMingness. If you will. And, and so woeful that it has overshadowed everything else. Because yeah. that's the thing: you make a bad bad draft pick. All right, you've just made a bad draft pick. There's not really that much of a knock on. The only knock ons are like hypotheticals. So, oh, you could have taken X, Y, and Z, and we would have had X. Yeah, we'd have been this much better if you'd have taken the guy that was two, three, forty spots behind him. If you make a bad signing in free agency, you have not only potentially acquired a bad player or a bad fit or whatever it is you have also tied up finances and resources in the cap to then sign a better player instead you can't sign a better player instead because they are taking up that that space you then lose players in free agency you're unable to move this player that isn't working out for your team because of a bad contract or bad player whatever it might be there are so many more consequences for dabbling in the ufa market and fucking it up that yeah you as as plenty of people say, don't don't fucking get involved in it. Do not do anything on July first because you are more likely than not to 
get it wrong and the consequences are so so dire that yeah you can you can end up having the those dancing not dancing nigerian pallbearers like on your <laughs> dancing around your mansion for six years like it is interesting like you said that it appears that there's nobody happy in vancouver nobody you, know, you watch them play it's an entire it's an entire team of Lines or Dubois. That's what that is. And they all want out. And none of them are really bothered. Like, I don't know if you saw the uh the Braden Holtby gift of the night where he was just staring absolute daggers at JT Miller. Absolutely. Yes, I, well, I didn't see it, but I've heard plenty about it. And Braden Holtby's not that kind of guy. He's always been the kind of, you know, he's been interviewed quite a lot and he just kind of says, look, it's not my job to worry about what goes on in front of me. It's my job to stop the puck. That's all I really care about. I don't really care about what else is happening. But, like, (laughs) dude, if he was Superman, JT Miller would have been lasered to death at that point. It's quite simple. I hope he was just not having any of it. But none of them seem, I mean, like, God, last, I, I said at the start of the year, I was like, man, like, they could really do something. They have got a great spine to their team. And they do. As you've mentioned, they've just killed themselves via terrible free agency. And I know you mentioned the draft and stuff, but I guess it's I guess it goes kind of both ways, but you could make the argument if you if you really wanted to pile on Jim Benning, you could say, well, I mean, Elias Pettersson fell to them. They didn't really pick him. They got lucky. Quinn Hughes fell to them. Other teams messed up. I know that's really kind of picky, but you could make that argument. I think I think you could. We, but I know what you mean. This... I know what you mean. You still have to pick them. Like you know, they didn't yeah, like you've, then go, you've well, still got to pick them. Why is this guy dropped? Clearly, he's no good. We're not picking him either. They still then did take them. And I'm trying to remember. I don't think like Pettersson was necessarily the consensus to go that high anyway. I don't think, if memory serves. Yeah. I mean... All right, this is this is maybe a bit. Uh, there were there were plenty of people that were you know central scouting who obviously aren't the fucking the the go to when it comes to uh, informed draft analysis, but they are central scouting, so it's the easiest one to get sort of historically. He they they still took him before Casey Middlestat, who was ranked higher than him on on central scouting. Um, Gabe Velarde was ranked higher than him on Central Scouting. Kim Klim Kostin was ranked higher than him just among European skaters, let alone the whole thing. Like, oh, I just remember him a bit too harsh. Yeah, like it, I think he, he was definitely a good pick, but he wasn't necessarily. Uh, what's the word? The consensus. Consensus. That's spot. exactly the yeah. word I was looking for. The consensus pick, and similarly with with Quinn Hughes, I don't. I think he was. He was definitely rated high in 2018. Where was Hughes rated? Yeah, he was sixth rated out of North American skaters. So like, okay. and oh, there you go then. Fair enough. Fair enough. He, he wasn't even he wasn't even the high, highest rated D man. There were two D men rated higher than him according to Central Scouting. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. They seemed like no brainers at the time, but they they weren't that bad. They they weren't that easy to make, and you still do have to make the the obvious pick. And for me, I think there's only been one whiff really on first round picks in his in his tenure, and that's Oli Yulevi. And even then, with Oli Yulevi, I think there's argument to make that he didn't 
he didn't make a terrible pick then. Yeah, I mean, Yule Levy's still got time. He's only 22, isn't he? So he's still got 23, 22. He's still got time yeah, to turn it around. He's, he's still got time to do it. And and to be fair, there was only one uh, one D-man rated higher than him on North American skaters in Jacob Chickred, who then fell to like 16th rather than being picked in the top five or anything. So I think, yeah, you, you can't say that he didn't whiff on Yule Levy, but it's not like he, you know, one busted first round draft pick or one whiffed first round draft pick first round draft pick fucking hell you'd have thought I'd be able to, to say that by now uh, oh, maybe Jake Fatanen as well you could put in there but still two out of out of eight drafts or however many it's been six probably I think that's pretty reasonable really you compare them to plenty of other GMs that have been around in that time have made far worse picks and far worse whiffs than they have and the fact of the matter is, New Levy and Vitalin are still both NHL players. So, like, fucking, how much of a bust can you be? No, I agree. You know what's interesting as well is if you look at, if you go to Cap Friendly and look at his page and his free agency signings, or even, yeah, any contracts he signed, he's never signed a player for more than six million a year. <laughs> Which, when you think about that, would be, oh, wow, so they must have, like, cap room to play with every year to make loads of good signings. Yeah, they don't because he just loves he loves signing players to like two to four million dollar deals for four years. He loves it. He can't get enough of it. He he really can't. He as far as UFA signings go, <laughs> he has only ever Oh that's weird. What's that? Oh that's because I'm Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna tell I was gonna tell a goddamn lie there. Forgive me. Forgive me. Um but as far as as far as long term, you know, three years or more, he's never signed a player to less than three million dollars. So if you're getting any any term out of um, out of betting as a as a free agent, you're getting at least three million dollars. It's a problem, like it's the one that's hammered home time and time again, but for good fucking reason to me. Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle on the same day for a combined six million at four years apiece. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Even even then, you go back to 2015, you got Derek Dorsett. Derek fucking Dorsett. Four years at 2.65 million. It's shit like that where with the with free agency, with the cap, even if you overpay somebody by like 200 grand, you do that too many times and that's a roster spot gone. Especially if they if you if you overpay people by a million dollars and too many years, and then they turn out to be shit as well. It, you, you've just fucked it. If he hadn't signed Bruxelles and Beagle, they would almost certainly still have Jacob Markstrom and Tyler Toffoli today, I reckon. Absolutely. Almost definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the knock-on, isn't it? You don't see it at the time. That is the knock-on effect. And they was, that was the thing with, obviously everyone in Vancouver was pissed off because every time Tyler Toffoli plays him, he just bends it over. He just bends him over and gives it to him dry. Like he can't help himself at the moment. He is absolutely <laughs> pounding it into Vancouver every time he plays him. And they said, "Well, yeah, we just couldn't afford to keep him in the end." Yeah, because you're paying third and fourth line guys like two or three million dollars over four years. And, and to an extent, if you're going to fire, a, if you're going to fire a GM for poor performance, like that can't just come down to like performance on the ice. If that makes sense, like I think if if you know if I'm if I'm Aquilini and Benning, you know, Benning reports to me, oh, we want to keep Foley, but we've got to let him go because we haven't got enough cap room to keep him. I'm fucking binning him off right there and then. 
and just saying, look, mate, who who managed the cap? Who managed the fucking cap? And not only who managed the cap, like, we can't afford him because we have what players? It's not like it's the Tampa Bay Lightning where it's like, oh, we've got to get rid of X, Y, and Z player because we can't afford them because we're paying good money to Stamkos, Kutrov, etc., etc. This is, we've got cat tied up in Beagle, Roussel, Ericsson. Uh, we've given too much money to an aging Alex Edler. Who else have we fucking got here? Who fucking else have we got here? Even, no offence to Tanner Pearson, but like, Tanner Pearson is making fractionally less than what Toffoli is making, and I know who I'd rather have out of the two of them. Uh, oh, how could I forget? Forget Tyler Myers on six million a year. Like, fuck. Just gonna say. And even even Jordy Ben on two million a year. That's too much for a for a fifth sixth defenseman. It's just too much. It's mental madness. Michael Brandon Brandon Sutter, Tanner Pearson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle. Alex Edler, Tyler Myers. That's what? About 12, 15, 18. That's around $25 million. It's outrageous, isn't it? Sven, Sven Berchi as well. a cap that's tight. Yeah, Sven Berchi. And you don't notice these things at the time, but the knock-on effect down the road where you then can't do anything and make any moves for any players because you have no cap space. It all matters. If you've got guys making a million dollars on your third and fourth line, you're going to have like 17, 16 million dollars left over to do something with. You just got to, and then you hope that you find the diamonds in the rough who can do things for you on your third and fourth line. I get it. It's not going to work every time, but there are those players out there who will do that for you. Absolutely. And you, you can't tell me that your average, you know, your fucking luxury third liner is not going to produce that much more than your your average bargain bin third liner is going to do for you or even like bring up an ELC college guy or fucking whatever it is like it's been proven but fucking when you pay these guys and then they if if you're paying guys good money to be on your third line there ain't that much room to drop do you know what I mean they've got to perform a hundred percent of your expectations for them to be even slightly close to worth that money do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Because what right. then? Su- then suddenly you've got an overpaid third liner who isn't performing to exactly what you expected. Shock horror! And the only place for them to go is the fucking third line, or uh, sorry, the fourth line, or the fucking AHL. It's it's just yeah, it's it's insanity. I think the geezer should be fired, but it's it's hard because like he is, he's almost played to a five hundred. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I've heard, I've heard Jim Rutherford's looking for a job, so... <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know who they... I wonder if they... Because, like you say, there seems to be a lot of unrest in, in that Canucks organisation. So I wonder the if they do state? just let him... Jesus. I wonder if they let him ride out of the year. I think it's Travis Green's contract up at the end of the year. Thing. Uh, I don't know, but yes. just quickly, yes. we did forget, we did forget the King, like... The King Snake, one of our one of our favourite snakes, Louis Erickson. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd completely forgotten to. He, yeah. He's so like ingrained in that issues with uh, issues with Vancouver that like, I might as well might, he might as well not exist. I think I think it's a bit unfair to call him King Snake because Louis has been really fucking good. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's just been okay, shit right. in Vancouver. Okay. Is is it a crime to get old and be bad? It is in my dystopian future, yes. <laughs> it's why you don't sign uh, over 30s on uh, on July 1st. 
shouldn't sign anyone, let alone six, anyone who's 30. Before that $6 million contract, right? So he was with the Bruins. 37 points in 61, 47 in 81, 63 in 82. And he had a 30-goal season that, that year before he went to free agency. And then he went to free agency for $6 million, 24 in 65, 23 in 50, 29 in 81, 13 in 49. That's so bad. That's so bad for $6 it's, million. it's one of those beautiful things where, yeah, from like 2008 to fucking, yeah, arguably like 2005, well, yeah, up until 2016, for like almost, for, for a good eight years, he was a $6 million player and he was underpaid. Louis Erickson was fantastic for a period of time. And then Benny comes over and gives him like a legacy contract, like thanks for all your service, when he hadn't paid a fucking single game for the Canucks. <laughs> thanks for your service. Yeah, oh, you've you've earned this money by banging in goals for somebody else. And it's like it's it to be fair, it's not even like he was clearly on the down on the downward slope by the time he left he left Boston. But yeah, there was an argument to make to be made that he wasn't a six million dollar player since two thousand and twelve, really. If you if you discount fifteen sixteen as a as a contract year, you can kind of see like, all right, he's not he's not gonna be a seventy point player for you again. And that's it is what mad you that the second the second those wheels screeched down in Vancouver, he just became a worse player. Fucking dog shit, I know. Weird. Just mad. Just mad that that can happen, and you know what? The last thing on this as well is that what's what are these players getting common? Ericsson, Sutter, Roussel, Beagle, Edler, Myers—they've all got modified no trades. Why are you giving Jay Beagle a modified no trade? <laughs> what's the? He says in the contract negotiations. Well, if you don't give me a modified no trade, I'm gonna walk. Okay then. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Not only do I want more money than I'm worth, I also want a modified no trade. Uh, Jay, Jay, um, <laughs> buddy, fucking, just... fucking insanity. I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned if he's if he's still on the job by this time next week. Stunned. They're so bad. I won't. They're How so can bad you... in a division as we mentioned before? The Canadian division. Sorry, Canadians. It's boring as shit. I'm sorry. It's really dull. Like Leafs win every night. Habs win every night. Jets are going to be fine. And then it's like the rest are just very, very average teams trying to duke it out for that last spot. It's really dull. The Canucks, with their spine of their team, should be better. And they're just bad in a very average division. Average is an excitement, not obviously the teams. Like the Habs and the Leafs look amazing. But, you know, they should not be as bad as they are in that division. Nowhere near. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Okay, uh, yeah. That's it for this week, folks. Anyway, thank you very much. Will, any last words? Um, see you next week, Jim Benning. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Take care, Jim. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.